When it's not Netflix movie night, it's game night. And Marvel Dice Throne is a fast and fun board game for all ages. Each player selects one of eight heroes to face off in a head-to-head battle to see who earns the right to take the throne. Gameplay involves strategically rolling dice to activate special abilities, playing unique hero cards to manipulate results, and upgrading your hero board to power up your stats. This is currently being crowdfunded on Kickstarter and will have Kickstarter exclusives. Go there now to reserve your copy. Hello and welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomCastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web at NomCastPod.com. All right, this is a big week for Netflix as the most expensive movie they have ever produced is coming to the platform this Friday after a week in movie theaters. Of course, I am speaking of the big action adventure blockbuster Red Notice starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds. And this has been circled by many, not just myself, to be not only the biggest Netflix movie of the year, but potentially one of the biggest movies overall for the year. So on today's show, we'll discuss what we think of this hotly anticipated film, what success looks like for a streaming movie of this size, and whether we think it will be successful enough to make sequels to this film or successful enough that Netflix will keep making these high-priced swings on films like this in the future. A lot to break down, so I'm happy to bring on writer, director, co-host of Forgotten Cinema, and my pal, Mr. Michael Field. <laughs> thanks for coming on, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me. I always, uh, always love talking movies with you, Andrew, all the time. And uh, checks in the mail, man, for uh, I got to refund your your stubs there. We actually both caught this movie <laughs> in theaters because uh, we're talking mm-hmm. about this on the Monday before this comes out. Uh, and it was playing locally for us. So we were able to catch it and do this early. And thank you for for taking the time on that as well. So, like I said, a lot to kind of go on this one. It was kind of, you know, in that big sizzle reel came out uh, in early like January, February, like this is what they have going this was always the big shot. It's, it was this and Don't Look Up, kind of like the two, you know, figureheads with all these big time stars. And this one, you know, dwarfing, at least in terms of production value and star power, uh, you know, this one, this one is for everybody. It should be a big actioner that rivals, quote unquote, uh, you know, some of the bigger ones this year, like the Fast and Furious franchise stuff, Bond or any of that. This is their foray trying to to jump in and see if they can create something whole cloth, get something that can be a big time IP or something that can at least give them sequels with these big stars going forward. So what was your experience with this film? I mean, cause I always love hearing people seeing Netflix movies in the wild, like in, in the theaters, like, because I read uh, that over the weekend, you know, big time numbers got, uh, for a $200 million film over the weekend made $1.3 million uh, in theaters. In, and it was in, I think, 700 theaters. So uh, it's not a great average. And I know I saw it with, you know, maybe only a couple other people in the theater, which is not very different for Netflix film. <laughs> I'm assuming you had a similar experience. Uh, in terms of viewing, yeah, it was yeah. There was hardly anybody in the theater uh, when yeah. I watched it. Um, I guess the best thing I can say is about an hour into the movie, 
my cell phone came out and I started I started scrolling through. Ah, uh, second screen. Because I was I was bored. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was gonna have less of a good time than the people behind me because they were laughing at like the M&Ms and progressive ads before the movie even started. I'm like, you oh are the key demographic for this movie. So I hope <laughs> you enjoy this because, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. We'll, we'll get to our opinions oh, in a fine. minute. No spoiler but, there. <laughs> yeah. But just a little bit of a, a backstory. Cause again, like I said, this was such a big deal to come out this year. I was expecting this to be like the Super Bowl, you know, where it's like, wow, we finally got something high end, this big theatrical experience that I could watch there and then watch it at home and and have something with rewatchability with these big stars. But I find it interesting. I don't know how much you know about the the story of this movie, Mike. It was it was a big time pitch from writer director Ross and Michael Thurber, who has worked with The Rock twice before Central Intelligence and Skyscraper. He also did Dodgeball and We're the Millers. So he kind of pivoted half like his early success was all comedy. And then he was like, nah, I'm just going to go hang out with the rock for, for the rest of my life, which is where the money was. I know exactly. And that makes a lot of sense. So back in uh, the early days of that pitch, universal won the rights for this. And then once there was kind of this window in the contract where like they didn't hit certain like production deadlines or metrics or whatever it was, there was some like two week, window where they can kind of shop it around so when they found out that netflix was one of the the losers of that pitch or like was second to to universal they sent it right to netflix netflix gobbled it up and then they they put it into an agreement with netflix um and here we are with a a production budget that was supposed to be 160 million ends up ballooning to 200 million as they were shooting which I don't know how that fully happened. I know that The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot all make twenty million a piece, so that's going to be. I think I thought big... that that's what ballooned it to two hundred was their salaries. Yeah, I mean, well, they originally had, uh, I believe, The Rock and Gal Gadot was like attached from the beginning with that sizable number, but the third person was always kind of like out there. They, I think, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, because Ryan Reynolds, I think, was the last piece. They had people out there where I guess. Nick Cage was the person they were trying to get for this role or like the rock was pushing him for that. But I guess, you know, the studios wanted to go bigger. Um, and there was even rumors of like Tom Cruise and other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Bigger than Nick Cage? Star of the of Pig? <laughs> Prisoners of the Ghost Land? Yeah. Ugh. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. Hot take, Andrew. Hot take. Uh, Nick Cage needs to be nominated for his role in Pig. That's how awesome he is in that movie. That, uh, that Listen, I'm telling hey. you right now. He is fantastic in that film. Fantastic. Y- you and film Twitter Land. agree. Yeah. Prisoners of Ghostland. Okay, I understand. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. That was a movie I caught at Sundance because uh, they did it virtual. And I was like all geared up. I was like, he's got, you know, dynamite attached to his nutsack. I'm like, this is oh, pure God, Nick yeah. Cage. Feed it right yeah. into my into my veins. I, and it, yeah. I was falling asleep. I hated it so much. I was like but, messaging other people. I was like, oh, this is so bad. But I love Nick Cage because it doesn't matter what he's in. You're getting Nick Cage doing his best, doing his oh, darndest. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I love it. I love it as opposed to some other people which i will not say because i do not love when they're in bad movies but he uh, uh, like i just have because he can do a movie like that and then he's got the chops to do something like pig which is fantastic but i know that we're off the rails so i'll, I'll let you go yeah. back to what you're talking about 
No, but hey, I, I can see him in this movie though. I really, I like if sure, he's the Ryan Reynolds. That's, it's a different type of movie, but it, it'd be interesting to see kind of this yeah. down and dirty uh, kind of guy. Go watch Face Off. He's fantastic. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and we'd go right back to business there. Um, this is a movie, like I said, because it had such a big uh, price tag. You know, I can understand if this was truly the jet-setting movie that it portrays to be in the movie, uh, where you're talking multiple countries, you know, all over the world. Um, Twas not uh, exactly the case. They shot this all in Atlanta except for one week where they went to Italy uh, without Godot and Ryan Reynolds because they wrapped at that point. So... I don't even know if the rocks in those shots are where they yeah. shot these. I think it was just, you know, getting inserts, you know, making it, you know, believable for where they were trying to mock in Atlanta for all these different pieces. So, you know, definitely understandable. They had COVID delays that pushed it back, production delays, you know, it all contributed heavily on this shoot. So it's one of those things that I can understand if it was yeah, maybe certain shots didn't line up or whatever, but I don't think that's the problem with this film. And I guess we could start there. This movie, again, like I said, I was so up for it, but the early trailers gave me pause. And then I'm watching this movie and the way I felt at the end was just, this movie is clickbait in movie form. Like it's, it's these three big stars on a movie poster. You click it and nothing it's empty inside it's lazy it's pointless at parts it is it was so disappointing and even when they the only things that to me saved it at all was ryan reynolds at times actually just making me laugh being ryan reynolds but it was nothing that was created from this script that i think is wholeheartedly just a mess that it, it has no direction whatsoever in terms of the story of who I'm supposed to follow or who I'm supposed to like, you know, to be invested enough for when they actually do something more of twisty in the end of this film that I have to feel something when that happens and I felt nothing. So now with that positivity, Mike Field, how did you feel about this film? Well, just to go off of kind of go on your train of thought. So I saw the trailer uh, I think it's a big red flag when I watch a trailer and it starts off with the three leads talking to me about how much fun they had making and they they cracking jokes about the movie and, uh, and how much fun they had making it and just yep. we should watch it. It's like I don't that that's that's a huge red flag for me because it's like if you need to do that in your trailer, then that's a problem. Like uh, you know and, what that reeks of? It was almost like in. Um... Uh, in Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back when Gus Van Sant's just counting money instead of actually directing. He's just <laughs> oh, like... Oh, I know. <laughs> busy, busy, Ben. Yeah, busy. <laughs> hey, Gus, it you felt, it feels like that. Be like, oh, we, Gus, did, we, we had so much fun. And he's just like, you know, fanning himself with, you know, $100 yeah. bills. Yeah, it felt exactly. like that. Yeah, yeah. no, I, so yeah, so I, I didn't like that. And I just was like, mm. And, uh, you know, I do think, I actually do think that the pandemic affected them because I'm wondering if... The scene I'm thinking of is when he, Ryan Reynolds goes to his island home. Uh, yes. And I'm wondering if they shot on stagecraft. I'm wondering if they're in Atlanta. Oh, they, they absolutely shot. did. So, and, you can and, tell. Yeah. And it's like, I, I know that's the easy thing to do. And I get it with the pandemic. Um, you know, that's something that you maybe you have to do. But like when you talked about comparing it to like it wants to be like a, a no time to die, like it wants to compare to Bond and, and it wants to compare to those big action movies. Those big action movies have giant set pieces in, in locations and yeah. have you know actual effects in camera on set location effects i know they couldn't probably do that here and that's fine right. i get that i go but that's a that's a problem and 
But my biggest thing with this movie is that it doesn't know what it wants to be. It tries to be an action film, but it's not. It tries to be a heist film, but it's not. And then it tries right. to, at, at the end, it's suddenly we're an adventure film. We're like, we're yeah. watching like, you know, Jumanji. And it's like, that's not your movie. And I don't think this, I don't think it understands what it is. And it's just trying to throw everything at the wall and hope that, well, it'll stick with somebody. People, people will be charmed enough by the three leads where, you know, they'll, they'll come away satisfied. And I came away anything but satisfied with this film. Uh, it's, I mean, I don't want to be mean, but I mean, it may go sure. there. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, when we get more, uh, you know, spoilery towards the end, I think that's when I'm gonna, I literally have like listings of the first eye roll I did the second eye roll. So I, I was, uh, <laughs> you know, second screening in a different way, taking some not so kind notes, but here's my fear, Mike. Okay, because we're talking about this film and the early reviews are out now. When I first, you know, went to the movie theater, uh, your co-host was at in the theater at the time, <laughs> and he was just like, "Oh yeah, no, this is awful." Like he was kind of warning me, doing his thing. I was like, "Okay," but at that time, I already kind of saw some of the early critic reviews, and right now, it's very telling. Basically, the difference between the critics' opinion and the audience' opinion. It is stark, Mike, where I am waiting for this to come out and then to have just the backlash of people who thoroughly enjoyed this film. So, because here's where it stands. The Metacritic score is 39. It's in the red. Good job, red notice. That's the red. Um, <laughs> the tomato meter, like the critical part, is 43%. Mm -hmm. But the flip side, IMDb score is at 7.0 for like you know just people reviewing the film and the audience score for rotten tomatoes is 93 percent and i'm like mm. i don't understand what's happening here where this movie is bad to every critic across the board like the highest i think i saw somebody give it was like a 60 you know in metacritic and yet a 93 on rotten tomatoes and a seven which is higher than so many other Netflix films that I've watched lately, which are far better than this movie. So I'm very scared that we're going to like turn around and they're going to be like, this was such a huge success. Look at all these great scores. You know, it's, you know, the people love it, you know, whatever. And it's going to turn into something different uh, because I thought it was very odd to begin with. Are you a fan of the, the previous films from Ross and Michael Thurber? Cause a lot of people are like, why are they giving, this guy, you know, 160 to 200 million dollar film, um, you know, but I got to say, like, I, I caught up on some of them. I, I've seen Dodgeball, of course. Mm -hmm. um, I watched Skyscraper, which makes this movie like <laughs> Skyscraper looks like, you know, Citizen Kane, you know, compared to, <laughs> to Red Notice. It just has just a couple less stars, but at least it's more focused, even though it is still kind of messy. You at least are like, OK. It's rock in a giant skyscraper doing, you know, John McClane stuff or whatever, trying yeah. to, you know, with with one leg that got blown off, you know, with one fake mm -hmm. leg. So it it is what it is. And I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, mm -hmm. Central Intelligence is probably, you know, the bigger of the two in terms of critical scores. But have you watched these films? Do you like his yeah. work? Uh, I mean, I Dodgeball is funny, but Dodgeball is also funny because Ben Stiller and uh, the cast, uh, Vince Vaughn. I mean, you know they're riffing, you know they're ad libbing, uh, but it's it's funny. It's you know the Ocho, all that stuff is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Skyscraper has a story, like it's like and and it's an action film, and that's what you it, it, like I said, 
like this movie doesn't know what it is. Skyscraper knows what it is. It's an action movie. And that's yeah. what you want. I mean, it's tough because I know Dwayne Johnson's so like he's huge and he's like, you know, he's a he's a massive man. So yes. it's difficult. It's difficult to have him play somebody who is supposed to be an everyman. And I know yeah. that because like, the comparison is like Schwarzenegger, but like Schwarzenegger at least was able to take the piss out of himself when he was doing a movie. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like there was some, like, I don't get that sense with Dwayne Johnson yet in terms of he's not willing to make himself look vulnerable in a film, maybe like, you know, movie star vulnerable. Sure. But like, not like, like sometimes Schwarzenegger got the crap kicked out of him in yeah. movies, but it's like, you never really see that with Dwayne Johnson. And that's fine. If that's not what he wants to do, I don't care either way, but sure. that, but that does shade, you know, like when he tries to do roles where he's supposed to be the everyman or supposed to be, you know, like, We'll get to it later about this movie, but there's just stuff that's laughable when he comes in and I'm yeah. just like, what? And so I enjoy, I tell I going back to watch skyscraper again. No, but I would because it's an action film and I don't mind action films. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't have a problem with any of the previous stuff in central intelligence had some funny parts. I haven't seen it in a while, but I know that Kevin Hart, that was when Kevin Hart was like white hot. He was like, making yeah. anything he made was like, like just people were just lining up to see it. And that's great. Cause he was, he is funny and he knows, he knows his niche and he, and that's fantastic. So yeah. Um, I, yeah, this, this movie, not so much. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the appeal for this is not only that Ross and Michael Thurber makes movies that are extremely profitable, like sure. he's always turned out, you know, a big time, uh, you know, profit for the studio. So they're of course going to be, you know, geared up for anything but i think it's the three stars they could have literally had no script and they're like these are who i have attached because the rock is a co-producer on this with his production company uh ross and michael thurber's uh production company is attached as well and and so they're making you know money hand over fist with this regardless of whether it's a netflix streaming thing where they buy you out of the back end or or whether it's That's gotta be that what they do gonna, there's yeah, yeah. That's got. I mean, that's a big payday up front when you go to Netflix, which is probably why everybody does it because there's no back end to that. And something that big, and you know, you're making mm -hmm. it not only for your services, but also whatever the the price tag goes for in terms of your production company services and everything else. That's a lot, all right up yeah. front. So of course they'd be interested. And and Ryan Reynolds is doing the same thing. I know he has another Netflix movie. Uh, coming out, yeah, the Adam Project with uh, Sean Levy, uh, who just directed him in Free Guys. So they're going to be hot off that, and that's coming out supposedly in 2022. Um, and I know uh, Gal Gadot also has a another Netflix movie, Heart of Stone, uh, <laughs> which is a spy thriller. So of course, you know, it's a weird follow up. But my 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 hope is for something a little bit better because it's written by Greg Rucka, who is a well-known comic book writer who is uh, wrote The Old Guard, which they're now doing multiple sequels. So they're working with him a lot. But definitely, like, a lot of these people are already working with uh, Netflix and multiple projects. So I think, you know, it's just... It's one of those things that, yeah, it's money. It's, it's, it's people the money cashing is. out hey, through Netflix. And Netflix wants to keep doing this stuff. Right. I'll sign me up. I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like and they have the Gray Man coming out, which is their big 2022 one with uh, the, Russo, the Brothers. Russo Brothers project. They're doing Extraction too, right? Aren't they doing that as They're well? They're doing that too. Um, and they got you know Old Guard two is gonna start mm -hmm. shooting soon, and I know they announced Enola Holmes two is coming out. So like they got a lot of you know kind of these action adventure films trying to 
do multiple sequels. I'm actually surprised they didn't do one for Project Power or any of these other ones too. But you know, because they had a decent amount of views. But we'll get to that um, soon enough. But anything else that bothered you with this film, like that you think where it kind of where it kind of went wrong for you? Uh, I just think there's like one of my notes is like nothing works, but I don't want to say that. Um, no, but I agree. This, it's lazy. They, they do this thing with the fathers between the two leads, Reynolds and Johnson, and they have yes. these two stories about their dads, and that's never paid off. And I didn't understand why that was there. They like there's no I like. There is, there's, you're right. It's I, I, I really think that there's a couple. I, because I'm trying not to spoil anything because I know we're doing spoiler free. I just the script is yeah. just not great, and I don't think that anything is terribly interesting. I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm old, but I've, I've passed the point where I see these shots of all these like high class cars. Like they do this, like they do these like shots where they pass all these like you know. Fifty five hundred thousand dollar cars, and we go to this yeah. like big mansion. I go, I don't care. Like, how, no, tell me a story. Really, yeah, that that <laughs> like that shot is in almost every single uh, movie that that's out there about this stuff. Like this kind of like, oh, look at all these rich people. Look at all this. Like, I, I don't care anymore. It's like I've seen this before. You're right. Tell me a story. Tell me a story that's not you quipping for twenty minutes, and and I'm supposed to assume that I know what's happening in this heist. Uh, it's just it's uninteresting. It's very uninteresting. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for a movie, it, it, it's so basic in its in its outset, where it's an Interpol agent tracking the world's most wanted art thief. But even that description is not entirely true. Like Correct. he's kind of tracking one, and then he's kind of working with another, but then also then switches that up to go after the next one because you know there's a a couple of twists along the way. There's so much going on here and, and the basis for it is all revolving around cleopatra's eggs which like yeah, uh, a, a made-up thing not even real i don't believe it's like uh, that's i don't think that's real at all oh really i thought i read that I, it, well, like there was some truth to it anyway. according to my co-host that it's there's some there's pearls but not anything about eggs he actually looked it up i guess but okay i'm basing it on my co-host's knowledge and he doesn't do the facts in our series so i can't really uh get behind that 100 <laughs> percent. and he'll never listen to this episode so don't worry so we could trash him all we want <laughs> so you mean all these fakes that i've been looking to put on the internet are all you know not gonna sell anymore because they're not real god damn it i wasted a you know, whole weekend <laughs> To your point about the synopsis is like the running gag on our podcast is every time we read the synopsis, they're they're rarely right. They're rarely yeah. correct. They're just like because it's it's written by somebody who probably just didn't watch the movie or just didn't pay attention. or was just trying to write something that's really quick. So to that point, yeah, I'm not surprised the synopsis stinks. Yeah. <laughs> or it's so basic that it could be any yeah. movie. So like yeah, and yeah. and again, I understand this is a movie that does kind of twist and turn. The one thing I want to get to before we kind of, you know go into spoiler section and whether we think this movie will be successful or whether it deserves to to have any future is why is gal gadot so bad in this movie oh, she man, I, was is, gonna, I was gonna save that for this for the spoiler <laughs> but we can go there we can go there yeah, yeah. i, I mean ahead. without going truly specific there are certain scenes in here where because you know what the problem is for me they're trying to feed off of ryan reynolds being naturally funny and mm -hmm. whenever you and I always talk about this. We hate movies where everybody tries to be funny or everybody mm -hmm. is funny because it makes it not special. And there are also many people who are suited for it and people who are not. And Gal Gadot in this movie 
is not funny, but she tries to be a lot. Mm. And there are scenes, don't get me wrong, there are scenes where The Rock tries to do it, and I'm like, why are you trying to be funny? This is stupid. But definitely, her in certain scenes does not fit the bill for what they try to do with this character. Uh, So... People can disagree with this, and that's fine. The best thing I can say is she is not a strong actress, period. Not just in this movie, but in most of the things I've seen her in. Um, I am uh, not to get, listen, Wonder Woman 1984 is not a great film. It's not. I'm sorry. If you love it, that's great. Good for you. But that scene at the end of the movie when she's trying to talk to everybody in the world about how we could just be good, it's like- I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that's what we're using here. That 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 take is what we're using because it's like bad. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not, and I'm not saying that she can't do it, but that like you just revealed, like, like it's just not great. And then this one, when she's trying to be coy and when she's trying to, like you say, like be funny or be quippy, it's like, it's just like it falls flat. And I'm just, and yeah. I just don't understand. I don't understand like how. I mean, you know what? I get it. I do understand why we're okay with this because she's very good looking. She's very popular and, you know, she's and she's going to bring people to the to the to the audience, to the to the theaters and to Netflix. So I get it. I get it. It's a business decision, but she is not a strong actress at all. And to your point about Ryan Reynolds, he I liked Free Guy. And part of the reason why I liked Free Guy was because it wasn't just Reynolds doing his Reynolds thing. He actually was playing a character. So do you know what I mean? So, like, I know he can do that. So I just so in this one, and the first thing they tell you about when they when you're writing a screenplay or when you're trying to write stuff, it's like not everyone should have the same voice when you're writing. Yeah. And when you have people that are riffing and improving, that's not something that people understand because they're just trying to be funny, make people laugh. When we shot our film, mm-hmm. Save the Forest, like that's a conversation I had to have with people. We're like, hey, why don't you let the camera roll for me? It's like, well, because that's not your thing. But right. I'll let it. I'll let it run. I'm never going to use it, but I'll let it run <laughs> so you can make a joke. Sure. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely, we, we're absolutely right. It's just, she's not great. She can't do this role or I shouldn't say that because it's it's one of the other things I talk about on our podcast is it's never one, it's never the actor, the actress's sole responsibility for their character. It's the director, it's the writer, it's everyone involved. So like I said, it doesn't take a village. uh, It takes a village to make a bad movie or to do a role. So it's never, you know, you need to put her in a situation where she can excel. She can't excel in this and it, it shows. And, for me, who yes, admittedly, I watch a lot of movies. It didn't. It didn't hold up. Now, is that gonna yeah. is that gonna translate to success? Probably not. It'll probably be a huge success on Netflix, and it'll probably, everyone will love it, and that's fine. That's great. But for me, no, it's a no go from the start. As soon as she was on screen, I was just like, mm, no, what are we doing here? And it was just like the script was rudderless, and the story was everywhere, and it just it didn't make any sense. And the twists were uninteresting, and the twists were dumb. And it's just, yeah. and you could see them coming. You knew oh, what was going to totally. happen. And it was just kind of like, can, can this end? <laughs> <laughs> well, this section of the podcast is going to end because right after we take this break, we are going to come back. We'll get all our, our MacGuffins out, our spoilers, everything that is on our mind. Plus, whether we think this will be a success, as Michael just teased, uh, when we come back from Sorry. this. be right back attention culture consumers join me the queen of queries sarah o'connor and my band of nerdy knights colleen mcmillan flo siegel and anders drew on bohemian geek studies where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms especially that star wars galaxy far far away listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us 
Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment, for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. All right, we're back. We're going to do spoilers for this film. So if you have not yet seen this film, maybe you didn't see it in theaters. You're waiting until after it's on Netflix. Totally agree. Hopefully that first half uh, did not totally dissuade you because I think it's a movie that you need to see. Because And again, like I said, the audience scores, it's a big swing from that and the critical scores. So make up your own mind and, and jump back in when we're coming back in on the spoiler stuff here so what were you holding back, Mike, is, is what I want to know, because we're going to jump in. And I, I know you're saying a lot of things just plain old didn't work. Do you have mm-hmm. anything specific besides uh, Gal Gadot or any of those type of performance stuff that really got to you in terms of what I think is a very weak, meandering and lazy script? Right. Well, there's no villain. There's no villain in the movie. And right. it, the whole the whole movie is set up to have these three pair up at the end of the movie, which is like the last shot of the scene, which I could give, you know, two craps about when they're yes. walking towards and obviously on the stagecraft digital background, they're walking towards the the museum. Like, Ooh, what are we going to do next? Like, I don't care. Like, yeah. you know, like, nope. <laughs> yeah. Like I could just trip and fall. Like you're like, you're like, we got a plan. Like you have a plan. Just, but anyways, <laughs> so there's no villain. So we're trying to set up the fact that they're going to get together. So what ends up happening is that the, the villain actually becomes Inspector Das, like she is actually set yes. up to be the bad person, and she's doing her job, but she is set up to be the bad guy or, or quote unquote bad guy, or black hat, because because they've they, they've got these three magnetic leads, and they're gonna make them pair up at the end of the movie, and they're gonna like you know they're gonna be friends, they're gonna do one more big score. It's like you're turning your good guy into a bad guy. I mean, yeah. like, what are you doing here? Like, what are you saying? Like, I don't, I don't, and that's not like, it's not like some big esoteric thing. Like, well, I can't believe you're doing this, but it's like, that's bad writing. That is Absolutely. just, oh, well, we're just, we're just appeasing the three. We're just doing this because it's going to be cool for Red Notice too. And like, yeah. that's, I'm sorry, but that's unacceptable. That's not good. No, and it betrays its audience completely. You know, and it's absolutely perfect. I mean, besides the fact that uh, I mentioned I wrote down multiple eye rolls in terms of, and we kind of talked about it in in the opening part, like people trying to be funny when they just absolutely should not. Gal Gadot trying to be funny with the guy tied up, talking about his browser history that's like dad joke Uh, 101. You know, you have uh, the torture sequence in the middle I thought was the worst part in the whole movie where Gal Gadot's you know trying to be funny and then you know kind of looking like she's uh you know uh tasering his nuts or holding uh, like a car battery to his nut like none of that fits this film at all it's this big glossy thing where everybody's just trying to be on all the time Mm -hmm. it just didn't work you have Ed goddamn fucking Sheeran in this movie trying Uh, to be funny you already ruined a decent episode of Game of Thrones stop trying to make (laughs) yourself an actor Ed Sheeran it doesn't work and even when they tried to be 
uh, meta in this movie, trying to make jokes yeah. about like, hey, you know, uh, looking, they were looking for something in, uh, in the box. I guess they were looking for the last egg in that, uh, you know, Nazi bunker, plunder bunker uh, that yeah. they found. Yeah. And uh, and they're like, yeah, look for the box that says MacGuffin. They could have literally said that like so many times in this movie. It was overly uh, tropey yeah. and so many yeah. MacGuffins and everything kept changing all the time with that. And I, I couldn't stand it. How about the fact that, you know, it's like it, it's I find it's insulting because, you know, that they were trying to give you that Raiders of the Lost Ark vibe in that in that yep, tunnel. Totally. Like the, and, I, and I was just like, no, like, stop. You're not that you're not anywhere near that. And like when Ryan Reynolds or Ryan Reynolds character discovers the watch that when he throws the watch and like his wardrobe suddenly changed to like adventurer, <laughs> scholar, like, like, uh-huh. like, um, you know, like his his wardrobe completely shifted. Like he was like he was like displaying a line of clothes coming out from him, and it's just like what is and like yeah. And then like the next time you saw him, he's in this like action gear. I'm like, what's happening here? Like what? Like I it had makes a laugh. No sense. Exactly. And I I laughed when the uh, Dwayne Johnson shows up and he's like FBI. I'm like, uh, where's your badge? And what are you wearing? Like that's not yeah. what, that. It's just I don't any of that was just like also ins- set up a very meaningless twist. Because yes. they oh, even the go through so it. Stupid. Yeah, they go through it all. Uh, you know, all the things that he said that we should have known. It's like, yeah, we know, we know, yeah. because yeah. none of what he did lined up. He didn't care enough about the chase or standing on principle or doing any of these things where he really sold it. I, I guess you know, again, for everybody who you know, <laughs> you know, saw the movie and is hanging with us, for for his team up with Gal Gadot, it was. So obvious. The and and if you want again another eye roll here to be like, no, they're both the bishop because there's two bishops uh, uh, yeah. on a chessboard. Yeah. Oh, at that point, God. I was like, at that point, I was like, I totally forgot about Bishop. This and <laughs> bishop is her name. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's the other thing. And and like I I know this is like a staple of a lot of movies now, but it's like you know she's doing some serious hacking, serious coding. You know, yep. it's like, you know, like so she just she's like, uh, listen, I believe it more like in Die Hard 4 or Live Free and Die Hard when like Timothy Oliphant is like has a crew of nerds doing yeah. all this and then shoots him when he's like got his got what he wants. It's like, that's believable. Yeah. This is not I like, don't believe any of this. Like yeah. she, I just I just like it's uh, it's so frustrating. And this is the problem when you're going to set up a movie that has multiple twists and all this, you know duplicitous characters trying to like one upsmanship mm-hmm. throughout the entire movie and it's not a movie that's about anybody like just even the description that i said to you where it's uh you know it's about an fbi agent chasing it's like no it isn't mm-hmm. like the movie starts if this movie is about you know the rock's character then you're gonna start with the rock you know kind of putting himself out uh, they kind of do but it's like they're chasing they immediately get into the egg thing right away there's no you know showing the prowess of the rock or like what he's good at or why we're supposed to buy into him it's immediately him jumping into chasing ryan reynolds immediately Mm -hmm. and just because they need to because they end up doing so many things at the end the twists and turns that they have to establish a relationship that means nothing by the end of this movie so Mm -hmm. it's annoying to like just go through the motions with this instead of actually setting up someone who you care about and then when the rug is pulled out you go 
oh shit like there's mm-hmm. none of that and 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 the fact that you brought up uh any of the indiana jones comparisons Ugh, yeah. they were so obvious about it especially in that tunnel chase uh getting out of the bunker it was painful to watch that they were trying to mimic kind of almost a a temple of doom escape uh on uh, the the car chase versus like the the tunnel the train the, the uh, tracks or whatever yeah um yeah. it's it's obnoxious well let me ask you this so uh, you know i we talked about there's no villain like so there's no lead you know, like there's like right, which is about. what I was there's saying. No like, if this movie yeah. is about The Rock, then you start with him, you make it more concrete into his back character. But you basically yeah. tip off from the beginning that he isn't your lead and that he yes. isn't a good guy by not doing that. Right. So, okay. So then Ryan Reynolds' character is the lead, and but like his like anything he learned like or whatever his his lesson was or whatever you know what he overcame. Was in a flashback with his stupid watch. We never yep. meet his father. He tells us a story about his dad, but we don't even know if that's real because we don't see it on screen. So, like any kind of character development or any kind of character, uh, you know, any kind of like success of the character to overcome his his father's lack of of love yeah. is completely off screen, and yeah. we're just supposed to get it from when he breaks the watch and he figures it out. It's like that's not good enough. That's yeah. like what's that's not good enough, and. I, I know that the argument is like, can't you just enjoy it and have a good time? It's like, yeah, sure. I can enjoy it and have a good time, but watch that movie again. You want to watch it the first time. Fine. And you like it, watch it again because you're yeah. not going to like it again because you're going to notice that it's, it's going to be, it's going to bore you. It's going to, yeah. it's just nothing in there that it, it's just not, it's just not a good film. And I, yeah. and the good films make money. Yeah. And it's just not, it's not good. It's just, and that could be for a variety of reasons. It could be because it got screwed around with the pandemic and they couldn't do what they wanted to do. Maybe they just at at some point it became a paycheck for everybody and was just like, let's just get this done and move on to the next thing. Yeah. I get that. I completely get that. But like, this is the, this is the outcome of all that. And it's like that I'd be upset if I went to this theater, uh, like, like opening if this theater was like a big time theater. And I, I put down, you know, I brought like a bunch of buddies. And we, we put money down a lot of money. I'd be, I'd be upset because I'd be like, this movie stunk. I can see like on Netflix, it could be great because, or it could do well because you're just like, let's just put this on. Let's just yeah. watch it. It's on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a I Friday night yeah. movie. It, it's, it's an easy it's, film. Yeah. Well, honestly, when, when the bar is skyscraper, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where you're like, that movie is a, it's on TNT on a Saturday afternoon. And you're just like kicking around flipping channels. And you're like, I'll watch this for like a half hour while they blow some stuff up. And, and see the rock, you know, using his fake leg for uh, for some, you know, kind of off tilt comic relief or whatever to to stop the bad guys. Sure, um, mm-hmm. but this movie, if this was like cable, and I'm just like stumbling upon it, I don't know what scene would be the one that like the set piece that grabbed me, where I'm like, oh, I'll hang with this for like 15 minutes, or I'll hang for this for like a stretch, like maybe, maybe the prison stuff. Yeah, maybe I would say like. When they're outside on the prison wall, I'm just like they're not there, and like I just no. like yeah. You know, when you know they're not there, when you know it's CGI and you know it's fake, and you know it's like there's 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 no like level of you don't have any of that anxiety. Like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Like, and I get that maybe you can't do that, but can you like make it a little bit better? But other yeah. than that, I would say because one of the scenes you're ta- one of the scenes I always remember is the scaffolding scene, where Ryan, mm-hmm. where he's pulling all the pins, and that's fine. But like the pin thing goes on forever. <laughs> when right. he keeps pulling yeah, all yeah. the pins. <laughs> yeah. And I think about I compare that scene to the scene in 
I think it's Quantum of Solace mm-hmm. when they they fall through the window and they land on the scaffolding. And yeah. then I think it ends with Bond grabbing the gun at the bottom and shoots the guy and it ends on the show. But like that scene is like messy. That yeah. scene is like it's dirty. It's not like pin, pin, run, run, pin, pin. Like it's sure. Like so when I compare those two scenes, like right there, I'm already like Red Notice is like that's a that's a negative because I, I while I like some of that stuff. It just seems like it's real convenient a lot of times. And it just it, it starts feeling like a uh like I'm watching something that's choreographed, maybe. Like, sure. you know, there, there's a fine line, I think. So even that scene, it, it when you compare it to like what it's trying to go up against, it's competition, it falters. If it, it fails for me. But yeah. um that's the only real action set piece I can think of, Andrew, that scaffolding scene where there's actually action in the frame, that whole yeah. opening. Because yeah. I can't think of anything else where, like, that's happening. Like maybe the scene when they're well, like I said, stuff. the prison escape is like the closest thing, you know, where you know they're going through different uh, levels of trying to to get out, and then they pull the 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 one piece out that opens up the wall. It kind of at least was a decent callback to something. It shows forethought. It, it, if anything, again, it makes Ryan Reynolds even more the best part of this movie, which he was. And there are times where I genuinely laugh, um, you know, at stuff he does. And from what I understand, he was making so many jokes that like they just wasted take after take because he was purposely trying to like get everybody to laugh. Whatever, you had a great time. Which great, is a, you made which a, is a great way to make a movie. Yeah, it's yeah, a great way totally. to make a movie. Yeah, but it it just seems when you when you keep talking about stuff like this and the the. The price tag is the first thing we talk about with these things. Where did the money go? And if you're telling me that it was all just to make it, you know, faked out in Atlanta for two months, that's not good enough. Like you said, you made a great point uh, when we first started about if you're trying to compare yourself to Bond or Fast and Furious or some of these things where you're getting wrapped up in, in the majesty of the locations, the the kind of sexiness in the whole thing, uh, you know, and, and wanting to be these people. You know, part of the, the I love so many, one of my favorite TV shows is White Collar, about a guy who's a world-renowned art thief and forger and, and knows what to do in all these situations. He's a con man. He's got all these things built into, and you get him, into all these different events, all these different situations, and you want to see how he's going to do it. It's the TikTok of how he would get out of these situations. I didn't give a shit about the Bishop or uh, Ryan Reynolds' character, a booth, about how they do anything because I didn't get to see them on an individual basis really kind of show off too much or why they got this way without it being some major exposition dump like the rock does about like uh, i know who yeah. you are and just explains this whole thing i'm like lazy yeah. lazy stuff if we knew whose movie this was you get something like that in an opening sequence of showing the prowess of this person as a world-renowned art thief and you know maybe this movie isn't three people or at least the mm-hmm. third person's not in it as much if it's not Gal Gadot, or you, you, need a, you, you need a villain. You need yeah. an actual bad guy or somebody who's bad, who's evil, who right. you're fighting against. Like there should have been. I would say maybe there's a fourth, but let's not like make the let's not make the one who's doing their job, Inspector Das, the bad guy. Uh, like let's you're 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 failing that character. And you, also, Andrew, like the so you were talking about how its competition is like you know uh, Bond and Fast and Furious. It's like I know. Say what you want. I know. 
in real life, there's a lot of stuff that's questionable with Tom Cruise. I get that. Yeah, but sure. When you watch yeah, Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible Sorry, I should have mentioned when you that watch too, yeah. a Tom Cruise film, like you know you're gonna get something. Like oh, I can yeah. like that scene in the bathroom when he's fighting with uh, what's his face, um, Henry Superman. Cavill. When they, so like, good. Like I'm sorry, but like there's something to be said for those type of scenes, and that's yeah. you need those scenes because those are the scenes you remember. The scene in the prison when he breaks out, like, yeah, like the Halo like, jump or any of those right. things are amazing. Like you, the fact, yeah. the fact that he's actually doing, and he like that's the thing. It's like Cruz knows what he's doing on. He knows what's gonna work. He just sits there and he he he, he dissects the scenes that he's gonna do, and he goes for it. He actually goes for it. Yeah, I, I just think like that's. You can't have anything but respect for that. And when you watch it in the theater and you know that he's doing some of this stuff where there's actual stunt guys doing things, yeah. it just makes it so much better and so much tangible when it's all done, like just on stagecraft and when it's all done because it's just easier to do that way. And you got to do CGI and you got to do this and that and the other thing. And, and you're, or you're not willing to do, or you can't do certain action pieces. It, it, it all adds up to an uninteresting experience. And it's just, it, it, that's what you get a lot of times with like uh, with this movie. It's just un an uninteresting experience. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And some straight up obnoxious characters. How did you feel about um, I I'm a big fan of the show Silicon Valley and mm -hmm. they have a character who I like quite a bit who plays uh, Russ Hanneman in Silicon Valley. Uh, he plays Soto Voce, or however, uh, the the one who pairs up with Gadot towards the end. Yeah. His name is Chris Diamantopoulos. Diamantopoulos, yeah. Diamantopoulos, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's got that. He's doing a voice in this thing. This is this is my thing. You couldn't get any kind of like slightly older actor with the actual accent do the accent work and pull it off without it being this guy. I don't get that at all. It took me out of the movie even more than I already was at that point. Um, which, by the way, oh, we were kind of talking about what's the scene that you would stop on, too. The scene at his house, like that party, uh, that was the one that Netflix thought was the go-to scene because that was the clip they pulled out to you know either put around the internet or it was at that global fan event that they did. This was That was the one where they're fighting... Uh, you know, in that kind of his vault in the safe or in room, the, in in the, the safe room. room, yeah. Which again, not bad. Um, but, but if that's if that's what the rest of the movie's like, okay, right, right, we get it. But you know, at the same time, even that scene, I was like, kind of critical of Gadot's fighting a little bit because I was like, this doesn't feel like Wonder Woman. Like she's way. This felt a lot more staged, uh, and, and slow in terms of mm -hmm. its mechanics. So again, that could be a direction thing. That could be the way it's shot. Um, yeah. But the mechanics of it, it just felt rigid. And I felt that way when I watched it. it. Again, every little bit between the trailer, the clips, and everything else, I was like, God, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But then <laughs> once, it, once it started to get iffy reviews or bad reviews, and then watching I was just like, God damn it. I did not yeah. get this... Super Bowl feeling that I was hoping for uh, when this came out. Oh, yeah. Um, there was no, yeah. But again, like that, things like that character made me kind of like scream at like, this movie feels like old, weirdly. Like it doesn't feel like a modern 2020 action film as much as it did. It, and even then, I don't know how you feel about Netflix does this a lot where it kind of feels like, and we'll get kind of into the success thing in a in this way too they kind of do this thing and i don't know if it works better on streaming 
a lot of times they say nowadays you don't open a movie with many people because actors don't mean as much as like IP does. And this way, like Netflix doesn't have a lot of IP. So they're trying to do the inverse where they're actually building on stars. So it kind of feels like a throwback. It feels like it's the 90s or the early 2000s where it's like, hey, it doesn't matter what the plot is. The Rock is here. And you go, mm -hmm. okay. You know, and again, he's kind of one of those last action stars that you kind of can open a movie. Like, I'm not watching Skyscraper if it's probably not The Rock. You right. know, if that if that movie's done with you know Frank Grillo, I'm like, all right, I'll wait until it's home <laughs> video. You know, whatever. Um, I, I, he only pops into brain because we were talking about him off air. But like, you know, it, it, that kind of like next level down action star. You know, I could be like, all right, I could wait. But like The Rock, it's kind of like a little bit of an appointment viewing for for some of these things, and that's why you know their previous films were successful. Do you think that's kind of the approach? that they're they're thinking of here and do you think that works better because this is streaming because you don't have to worry about like opening a movie in theaters yeah it's the equivalent of the big head poster like you yeah know, like, no well, but that's, that's all the marketing yeah. was for this have you seen the yeah. posters it's just yeah, the three yeah. of them with a red background that's it yeah it's he's so the draw weak. yeah he's the draw i know she's the draw too but he's the i mean she's probably he's the draw internationally he's yeah. you know what i mean like it's and she is as well uh you know, it's 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 definitely it's a like all of net most of Netflix films, not to not to talk bad, but they are just they are designed and mark and and put together with a with a sense of how can we market this, like how can we sell this, how can we get their like, global how can company, we attract? yeah, right, and and I get that that's great. It's like it's it's almost like the difference between making a film and making content, and yep. they are they are in the business of making content and. And I'm not knocking that. That's that's a way to do it. But this is what you're going to get. This type of stuff. And you're and if that's not if that's okay, if the end result is not really what you care, you more care about getting them on the screen and moving on to the next. God be with you, because that's that's what you that's fine. That's go for it. That's the model. That's the model. But this is what you're gonna get. You're gonna get stuff that's not so great, but. It doesn't matter because you had Dwayne Johnson in it, you had Gail Gadot in it, you had Ryan Reynolds in it, and you got people through the door or into the yeah. into the TV or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, Mike, I've been doing this podcast for three years, and I know the the different levels of what a Netflix movie is. Ironically, I also in the same week uh, last week saw Passing, which is going to be one of their kind of more Oscar films, and, and and we'll cover that next week. But and that's coming out actually on Wednesday. So when you're hearing this. It, Watch Passing. It's 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 a good movie, and, and we'll talk about it next week. But they do various levels. But this movie is definitely one of those movies when somebody wants to make that argument to me about like what a Netflix movie is or what they think a Netflix movie is because they're not watching maybe the Oscar-y stuff or or mm -hmm. even some of the the swings they'll take on you know these film festival level stuff uh, that's not uh, more genre, more genre fair stuff. This movie I literally wrote in my notes like. I, I felt like I was in the matrix where I was seeing the code. Like I, it was like, I could see the seams, you know what I mean? Like it, it slowed down for me to where I was like, I felt like I said, this is clickbait the movie. It, mm -hmm. It's an empty, uh, inside to just a, a fancy cover on the out. It just made me, it makes you want to click on it, but it doesn't mm -hmm. make me feel satisfied two hours later when I'm like, what did I just watch? I, I took mm -hmm. nothing from it. And for them to tease the end of this movie saying that we think this is going to be so successful that you're going to want to see these three people in action again is wildly presumptuous. But also, 
I kind of feel like there's a conversation to be had about, you know, again, what what makes this successful and also is kind of like Netflix too big to fail right now because we're we're talking a lot right now about the Eternals getting bad reviews uh, or mediocre reviews um, and it feels like Marvel is having that conversation where people just run to the next Marvel thing and it's kind of feeling like the the big budget in theaters version of the Netflix thing where it's like yeah, we made this. Oh, you didn't like it? Cool. We have another one in three days, or we have another oh, yeah. one in a week. You're going to have something every bit to where you're not going to dwell on the fact that this movie was not successful, or you'll be like, oh, it was two hours of my life. That's fine. You know, like, I hate those conversations because I care about movies so much, but like certain things like this where I'm like, you have the money now, Netflix, to do whatever you want, and if this is what you want, it makes me really kind of like, it adds to the disappointment of not just a mediocre movie, but also what they think is worth 160 to $200 million. Well, they don't, they're not beholden to ticket prices because they've got a running stream of money that comes in every month, every day, pretty much monthly by people because they've all signed up for this service. So right. it's not like they're beholden to what's the box office dick. I mean, they could talk about how movies have different views and, you know, but that's all that all gets fed into the algorithm. And, and all gets fed into their factory of like, okay, well, that didn't work. So we need to put this person here and this person in this. That we know that a heist movie works, but not with this actor. So, but this actor is good in this movie. Let's put this actor here. Let's put this together. And like, that's how it is. And, and, right. and with Marvel, you know, I know I haven't seen Eternals. I know it's like 18 hours long, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> uh-huh. But, um, but I, I heard mediocre reviews for it. It made $70 million opening weekend. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like it, right. that right now in the middle of, I know we're towards the, hopefully God willing, we're towards the end of this pandemic. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know that now the only movies that hit are probably superhero films and big action films. Everything yeah. else is not hitting because people, hey, horror movies are working too, Mike. Horror, horror movies yeah. work. Yes. But the thing is like, like people are just going to wait to watch it. And not because they're afraid, maybe partly because they're afraid, but partly because they're lazy. They don't, now that it's, everything's available to you at home. They'll just be like, that's fine. I'll just wait. I'll just wait. There's so much stuff at home anyways. There's so much stuff that's not even in theaters that's streaming. I'm not going to bother. So I think it's the age levels though, too. The younger generation is already back at the theater. So the stuff that works with that age bracket is the Marvel movies. It is the horror movies. It is James Bond. It is these bigger budget, flashy, you know, experience movies. Um, But yeah, the, the movies that you have to worry about are the movies made for like basically adults you know the oscar fair things like that i've 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 talked about that at length on this podcast where um and even when i was on mike mike and oscar my buddies there we were kind of saying like yeah it's great yeah every time a movie like the eternals or james bond does well at the box office they're like yeah movie theaters are back i'm like sort of because you're seeing like a bigger drop off because they're like the only movie that's working right now so you see big opening weekends and then it goes down 50 60 percent mm-hmm. and then kind of mm-hmm. dies off quickly and then has a shorter window and goes right to pvod so and, yeah go no go i'm gonna give you this yeah. um sure so because butler works at the theater obviously yes and uh they had red notices out for for the week yeah and uh they have a turtles coming uh the week after right it was the same week or the week no it's after? the same week yeah same week okay yeah. so okay they're showing red notice and they have eternals they already he was already telling me that corporate was already telling him listen 
cancel Red Notice uh, if you need to add more Eternals. So they basically have these superhero, they have these movie, Marvel movies come out and they're just like, cancel anything that you need for Eternals. And they just load it up. So yep. you you may say like in, in movie theater parlance, like, oh, it's on four screens, but they try to get it on as many screens as possible and they do not care what they cancel. And the only people that, the only they're afraid of, the only people that movie theaters are afraid of are Disney. And yeah. they don't care. So even though Red Notice came out this weekend, I guarantee you there were there were there were shows canceled for Eternals. Guaranteed. Oh, I'm sure. And yeah, so, and- but that's what they do. They just they shove it in with Eternals. So when people show up and they're like, oh, "Let's just see Eternals," because that's the only thing playing. <laughs> yeah, but I also can't fault them because not a lot of people are gearing up to watch Netflix films in the theater. A lot of times when I even mention it, either on the podcast or in conversations with friends of mine, they go, "Oh, I didn't even know that was like they had no idea." That it was out, you know. I guess the marketing, yeah. especially if you're only gearing up for a seven day window, you know, what that, are you going to do? Gotta, yeah. What's the incentive? I don't know. That's got to be a favor is. to the filmmakers. That's got to be so. something that you know what I mean. It's just like, yeah, hey, we'll put it in theaters so you can get. We'll put it. Don't worry, we'll we'll help you out. That's got to be like, unless Netflix is going to start buying movie theaters and having their own exclusive Netflix movie theaters, which we've talked about before on air yep. and off. Unless they're going to start doing that. The, at any time a Netflix film is in a theater, I feel like it's just kind of like, hey, this is for you, pal. Thanks for doing this movie for us. But, yeah. you know, it's like it has nothing to do with box office. I think they could care less. No, I know. It's, it's, That's you know why what I was mean? saying. Like, it, it shouldn't even feel insulting that they only made 1.3 this weekend. It's yeah. like, I haven't heard them report any of this type of stuff. So 1.3 is actually probably very good, <laughs> comparatively <laughs> speaking, to what they've done before because they didn't mention it at all or I haven't seen mm-hmm. – you know numbers from anything maybe the irishman did decent in the theaters um we, we, i saw that at your premiere thing yeah yeah so like that was you know kind of an more an event that was packed if i remember that, correctly. that, that was, was that was packed and that what that felt like an event that felt like a big thing right because there was so much hype to it and it was scorsese and i think that a lot of people were hyped up to it. and it wasn't in a lot of theaters so yeah. like you had to go find it so yes. the people that went and found it really wanted to see it so that yeah. i it was it felt very much like an event absolutely but i feel like the rock kind of garners that so by by extension shouldn't this also have been packed but then again you're going up against the eternals and and maybe they just again like you said maybe they didn't put a lot of effort in this kind of like was just a favor like yep we'll do it because actually initially i thought i heard that they couldn't based on the rights deals that they had when they did mm-hmm. this, that they couldn't put it in theaters. And then all of a sudden it's out for a week. I was like, oh, okay. And so I took the chance. But yeah, it's, it, it's a movie that, you know, it should succeed more the way you and I saw it. You would think a big action movie. And that's the only thing that gives me pause about success uh, or at least rewatchability or any of these other things when it hits Netflix. I think a lot of people are going to watch it. I think the conversation is going to quickly shift to, Look at how many people watch this thing. Um, I was kind of giving you numbers off air, like Six Underground that starred Ryan Reynolds, one of the big three here, had 83 million views and 205 million hours watched. Now, for a movie, uh, Scott Stuber, one of their their big time executives for uh, Netflix Studios, said that a $200 million film like this needs to garner at least 70 million views or 150 to 200 million hours watched to be successful. I think it should hit those metrics. And if it doesn't, that's a big, big problem. Would they even release it if it didn't? You think I think they have know? to. For something that big, they, they're they going to end up. Let's put it this way. 
Army of the Dead is also not very successful in terms of critical scores or any of those things. They released all of those numbers. And again, because it was a top 10 Netflix movie for them, uh, both in watchable hours and, and the view stuff. So by either metric that they release it, to them, that was a success. And again, mm-hmm. that's a Zack Snyder thing and, and Batista's in it. So I think they think as long as they get the stars that attract people and it's at home, that it's an easy just click on because you see these big time names. And so I think a lot of people are going to watch. The one thing that was interesting to me when I was watching uh, or looking at the numbers of what films were successful to them, two things jumped out at me. Number one, their biggest things, like 99% of their of their big stuff is all action things. So like the mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg, Spencer Confidential, uh, Army of the Dead, The Old Guard, um, Extraction. Is uh, this just domestic? Just domestic or? No, this is We're, global. So, okay. yeah. Yep. That makes so, sense. Yeah. Which again, it totally does because, you know, if if I'm in another country and I'm just trying to see what Netflix's American titles are like, yeah, the big time action ones where I don't have to worry about too many subtitles or any yep. of these type of things and can understand a story because it's mostly based on these big lavish set pieces or, or the, the violence or any of the other things. It's the same thing I do with half the the South Korea films I watch all the time. It's like it's <laughs> these awesome, you know, action movies that, you know, or Thailand or any of these other ones. That, that's what I go for. So I'm sure the opposite is true here. Find a big uh, a character that, you know, plays in a Fast and the Furious movie that's successful or a, a Marvel movie or, you know, DC product, some superhero thing. That's exactly yeah. what they have going for them with this movie. Everyone has been a DC superhero in this movie. So, <laughs> you know, with Black Adam coming out. So it, it, it definitely feels like it's going to be successful. Do, do you think it will be in terms of those metrics? And do you, obviously, I don't think you would care for a sequel, but do you think people will be clamoring to see more of this product? Yeah. I mean, general audiences don't care and that's fine they just want something they want escapism so yeah if this is this is escapism is it the my type of escapism no but who cares so I mean, what am i i mean i can have all these opinions but it really doesn't matter right um you know so no i, th- I think it's got enough star power to to have people like on a weekend night be like oh let's watch this this is no um i think it'll do well will it do will they do a sequel i don't know i mean i could see them doing a sequel if it was like we can do it the way we want to do it because I really think that they had to make a lot of compromises to make this film. Mm-hmm. So I think that they may get a sequel just so that they can do it actually the way they wanted to do the first one in terms of just on set and, and not have to worry so much of, you know, just because of the pandemic. So sure. I could see that. Um, do you think that, that this, the other red notice film is going to get a pump from this movie? <laughs> the SAS movie? Yes, I, yeah. Every time <laughs> I put it into IMDb, the other one pops up and I was like, Oh God, that's even worse. I, that it's I a 2021 red notice movie. I watched the trailer. I was just like, what is this? I'm like, Oh, Maybe I'll watch this. And here's the thing. <laughs> Even though not getting great reviews, uh, it actually has better critical scores, like Metacritic <laughs> scores than this movie. So for anyone who's like makes fun of those SAS or like they're they're kind of these like, oh, I, yeah, I found that on Netflix one of these days just and popped it on. That's the level of quality you're potentially getting out of uh, a movie starring The Rock, Gal Gadot, and, and Ryan Reynolds. So that, <laughs> keep that in mind when we're talking about this, or at least what the critics thought of this. But yeah, to me, like, yeah, 
I mean, obviously, if I'm doing this, you know, I'll obviously cover it and, and all those things. But I am not geared up for for a movie. I, at least maybe it'll be more streamlined because the three will be on board and maybe they can create a villain that makes sense, um, mm-hmm. you know, on this and not just be like everybody trying to outdo each other this whole time if they're actually doing a legit team up or however it works. Um, mm-hmm. But I, like I said to you, like all those numbers I said to you for Six Underground with Ryan Reynolds. That looked like they set up for a sequel too, and that didn't happen. So I couldn't. I, I couldn't even get through that movie because it was so like I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> well, you said you were a second screen with this one. And you paid for the movie. <laughs> I yeah, I was just like, oh, I can't. I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, I watched it, but I was just kind of like, all right. Yeah, no, I, I and I can't disagree with that uh, at all, uh, or those sentiments or those feelings. But I mean, yeah, this is why Six Underground. I thought actually had certain more impressive uh set pieces at least like you know with the rooftop uh you know the yeah. water like where they blew out the pool and all that stuff like all those things and some of the car action stuff that felt vibrant because you could tell michael bay set those things well, up. Yeah, yeah it's michael yeah. bay's doing all that stuff i get it i mean i'm not a huge michael bay guy but i do respect the fact that he's doing you know these massive effects uh, massive spe- uh, special effects like in camera so i mean that that's cool like he invented that yeah. roll cage car uh, yeah. for uh yeah so that's fine i i'm, I'm cool with that yeah and, and again army of the dead and this it was kind of their big swings for the year so overall i kind of just they're i don't misses. know it, it makes me sad yeah they're they're misses and, yeah. and it, it kind of really seems to add to a a kind of a deflating year i'm really hoping you know uh because we're in november already and and you know passing will be out is out on wednesday and and we're gonna start getting like tick tick boom and and don't look up and and power of the dog which i've already seen and and some of these other oscary films the that sandra bullock film just dropped its trailer as well um and a lot of these are gonna get you know theater runs too uh for a couple weeks and and we'll see. We'll see if any of the theatrical stuff changes or whether any of these films garner something about rewatchability. Because like I was saying, some of the things I gleaned from looking at the numbers, movies like Enola Holmes, like you're like, oh, okay, that was good. You know, it's it's in the top 10 or whatever. But if you watch, if you look at the, the hours, a lot of people went back to that movie and they love like that age level and the Millie Bobby Brown of it all, like they got a lot of rewatchability out of that franchise, which is why that got greenlit for a second one. Um, and and Old Guard, you know, it's based on a comic, so they can kind of keep going with that story pretty easily, and they got Charlize Theron. Uh, you know, so a lot of those things work. They're already in place. But, you know, <laughs> some of the ones like uh, Murder Mystery, which was this big deal, like, for Adam Sandler, like, so many views, I swear it was almost one-to-one. Like, nobody rewatched that movie. Nobody cares. But that's getting a sequel. I know but they're doing another one. Yeah. I know, but I think it's literally you know they have the Sandler contract uh, that got a lot of views, so it's it definitely drops down. Uh, and the Irishman, I think, just because it's so long, it, it might get more hours. But that was higher in the hours watch rank list than it was as far as uh, the the views. So you yeah. know, I guess they always argue because that was previously one of their most expensive if not that and six underground i know was close it was kind of you know that 150 million or somewhere close to that that's how they deemed their success 
is that they're in these high-ranking things for them in their top 10, something that they can gloat about, get nominations, get, you know, uh, or mm-hmm. any of these things. I wonder if they're going to push for Red Notice for any of the uh, the effects stuff or any of the other. Oh, th- I, I hope they not. don't. I no. mean, for a movie that is literally just all green well, screen, but yeah. They might, again, they might do that just kind of as a as a favor to the filmmakers and to the producers. They, they, yeah. they probably would do that. They'd just yeah. offer it up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So Mike, so you're 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 in? You would watch you know a sequel of this or you just were you interested anything. in this to begin with or or is this one of those like I assigned things? <laughs> it was like I was like I got to watch Red Notice. Yeah. <laughs> I I I mean, I'll I would watch anything. I don't think I would probably go see. I wouldn't go to the theater to watch this. I probably would have just stayed home and watched it. Just like sure. oh, I'll watch Red Notice yeah. and have it on there, but um, you know, I, I've, have I seen worse? Yeah, but it's, it, there's something, there's something about movies that when it, it's just, it, it's like, like you said, like you said, lazy, when it's something like that, you just start getting insulted. You just start getting yeah. personally offended. Uh, you know, like you talk, we talk about Anola Holmes, you talk about the old guard, you know, those movies weren't f- fantastic, but they had stories and, the, and you could follow the stories and you were in, and there was some good stuff in there that you enjoyed. And I'm not, you know, they, they weren't perfect, but they were they were a decent watch. This isn't even a decent watch. It's just it's just very like it's like you like, again, very lazy and very insulting. And it's just like I, and and, flat characters that you're not invested yeah. in. And I think I'm, Noah not, Holmes yeah. and, and that crew in the old guard, like I would I'm invested in what comes next. Because there was like, there were people like not, and I'm not, when I say this, I'm not knocking the people on Red Notice, but there was some good acting in those movies. And there was yeah. like charismatic acting in Enola Holmes and Henry Cavill was great and stuff like that. Like, like, so there's stuff that was going on in that movie that you, you could, you could really sink your teeth into. Like, I dug that. I like that. I can't say that about this film. I can't sit here and tell you. Yeah, I like that. What, what I liked Ryan, Ryan Reynolds' wardrobe towards the end. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I liked his vest. That was great. I don't understand yeah. why he's wearing it. You know, I don't, you know, that, that was fun. <laughs> I liked, I liked the way they did this. I liked how stagecraft looked. I like how they made everything look orange in his house. Like, that's great. Yeah. But like that, like I, there's nothing really like, I didn't care about anything. And it was just, yeah. it, it got like to the point where just like, just what, what's just tell me the twist. Just let me know what's, uh, yes. Let me know the twist. I know that's coming. You know, yeah. like it's just, oh, I okay. Know. That's great. Congratulations. Like, uh, like I lied, joked when they're tied to the post Mm-hmm. When before the torture scene, yeah. I was just waiting for them to want to be like, don't look into the light, Mary. And like, I was yeah. just waiting yep. for the Indiana Jones line to come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can sense the influences, but they didn't learn anything in terms of yeah. the construction of what makes those movies successful. Yeah. So it's like somebody on set was like, you know, it'd be cool. Remember that uh, movie? Like, yeah. let's just do the, uh, uh, yeah. Remember, remember I, I, you're the only one that's going to get this reference. The remember cool, cool shot. shot? Yep. <laughs> You know, like we had that one dude on the one dude on our on our set. Once you say the fours, would always be like, you know, it'd be a cool shot. And I want to be like, how about you just yeah, carry the ones we storyboarded? Thing? Shut yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, it'd be a cool shot. You carrying that monitor to the, <laughs> to, the, to the truck and load it back up. That'd be a cool exactly. shot. Yeah. <laughs> but this movie didn't work clearly for either of us. Um, and I'm I'm interested to see where the conversation goes from here. Our audience is gonna, you know completely you know jump on board with this and and netflix would be able to tout all its numbers and we'll move on from there or is it going to be falling into that six underground category where it's like it was a big swing they spent a lot of money but it didn't work and we're probably not going to get the sequel 
because you know it's hard to get the schedule down for these three big stars. That's and that's what also, I can see happening. Yeah, like yeah. they're too busy doing other stuff. And now that Vin Diesel has basically gone on bended knee to ask The Rock to come back to the Fast <laughs> yes. and Furious franchise in an Instagram post. Yeah, uh, you know I, I'm sure he's going to be so busy doing that. So yeah, no, I could see that happening, yeah. Andrew. Where like they're too busy to do everything else, and they're just like, oh, it's just not going to work out because they secretly know it was terrible. And also. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's cause and effect, Mike, and I'm not going to make that assumption, but Ryan Reynolds, uh, did you see his thing where he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not working until like mid 2020. I'm taking time off. You know, I'm working too much. Like he just came out with, you know, like I, I need time off to spend with my kids on stuff. It's like, yeah, I'd feel that way if I got $20 million to make this movie. And then, uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm being with my kids. I'm not making yeah. a sequel. Sorry. Well, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe it's like, you know, like I want to wait until we actually make movies the way we want to make movies because this way sure. we're doing it stinks and it's, it's very difficult to do what we want to do. I get that. But, yeah. you know, like I, you know, uh, but I get I also get the idea when they're backing up money to your kid yeah. in the dump truck and they're dumping like, come on, do this movie. I'll be like, all right, I'll do it. I love how they, <laughs> they made it feel like Ryan Reynolds was like he's retiring or something where it's yeah, like you took, yeah. you're taking off like six months, eight months. You know, it's like, OK, yeah, it's a decent amount. But like you're not Daniel Day Lewis. All right. <laughs> like nobody's <laughs> like, oh, my God, he's never coming back. It's like, no, no, I, no. Daniel Day Lewis went to go be a shoe cobbler for crying out loud. You gonna <laughs> yeah. take up another career? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but all right, let's see where this conversation goes. I appreciated the conversation we just had, Mike. So thank you very much for coming on and 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 being with me in my time of disappointment and rethinking my <laughs> career goals and the future of this podcast. So I appreciate all that. Just uh, the hand holding and the and the venting and everything else that goes along hey. with it. You're not failing Netflix, Andrew. Netflix is failing you. It's <laughs> <laughs> going on the t-shirt. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. I had a good time. 